Generating traffic and sales can be a challenge for online merchants. But selling on the Walmart marketplace puts your products in front of millions of customers who shop on walmart.com. And right now, sellers who join Walmart Marketplace can save up to 50% on referral and fulfillment fees for the first 90 days. So get started today. Head over to marketplace.walmart.com savings. That's marketplace.walmart.com savings. Welcome to E-Commerce Conversations, a weekly podcast focusing on e-commerce topics featuring interviews with prominent people in the e-commerce space. Welcome to E-Commerce Conversations by Practical E-Commerce. My name is Kerry Murdoch. Retailers increasingly use data to personalize an online shopping experience. Geolocation, shopping and browsing history, even weather, all can impact how products are presented to online shoppers. Among the leaders in personalization technology is Monetate. Its co-founder and CEO, David Brusen, joins us today. Well, David, thank you for your time today. Thank you, Kerry. David, we are looking forward to visiting with you today. You're the founder and CEO of Monetate, of course. Your company uses visitor data to personalize a shopping experience. My first question for you today is what does that mean exactly, personal personalization of a shopping experience? Well, when you think about retail, and you think about retail before the Internet, it was a, a very personal interaction. Um, you're, you're talking to another person in a store. Uh, you're interacting with, with a lot of people and, and products and, uh, and physical displays. Um, and the people working in that store had an opportunity to pay attention. They had an opportunity to pay attention to, to you, to how often you'd been there and maybe what you'd bought in the past. They had an opportunity to pay attention to what you said about what you were looking for uh, and which, which items you seemed to like or fit you well. Uh, if it was an apparel uh, kind of a retailer. And online, the opportunity, when, when we all got started in this space in the 90s, was to do even better, to pay attention to more data about the relationship between a consumer and brand, and to make the experience even more relevant uh, to each individual shopper. Uh, unfortunately, some of the, the technology, especially in the early days, has gotten in the way of that. And so what Monetate does is we deliver on that original idea that shopping online can be more personal, more relevant, uh, and, and more valuable for the consumer and for the retailer than it even was in a bricks-and-mortar context. Give us some examples in terms of uh, does it personalize, if a, if a visitor is on a, a retailer's site, does it personalize browsing results, site search results, all of the above? It's browsing results, site search results, and everything in between. So when a visitor comes into a site that's being personalized by Monetate, we're paying attention to all the, the data uh, that can help us give that visitor a better experience, where they're coming from, what the weather's like there, what they might be looking for, what they've searched for, uh, and maybe what they've bought in the past. 
And we can use that to make all kinds of changes. We can change the structure of the page they're seeing, the content and creative, change the photography to be more relevant. You know, for example, if, if you're shopping for apparel in New York City, you're probably going to be looking for, for styles that are a little different than if you're shopping for apparel in Dallas, Texas. What sorts of data, you referred to data there, David, what sorts of data are you referring to in that, let's just cite that example that you just gave us, a shopper in New York versus a shopper in Dallas. Give us an idea of the data that you draw on. Well, all of the data that we pay attention to is anonymous. We don't know who the visitor is, but we know some things about their relationship with that particular brand. We know roughly where they're coming from, what city. We know a lot that's based on where they're coming from. Um, what's the, the weather like there? Uh, what stores are in their neighborhood? Um, we know uh, how they came in to that visit. Did they click on an ad in, in Google? Uh, did they search for something? Uh, did they come in directly or click an e- a link in an email? Uh, we know what that particular anonymous visitor did the last time they were on the site. Did they buy something? You know, was it a particular brand or category that they were interested in? Um, and we can use all of that to provide context, to understand a little bit about the visitor and what's relevant for them in their, in their life, uh, and also their intent. What are they actually looking for? What are they trying to accomplish today? How can you tell intent? I'm curious. Well, we have to infer intent, um, unless they, they do something very explicit to tell us. But we can infer intent from things like a search. So if someone searches on the site for a particular brand, uh, or maybe a, a color or a size or, or a, a particular product, um, it tells us something about their intent, that they're interested in that, that particular item or things that might be related to that item. David, let's cite an example, uh, a hypothetical example. So I live in I live in the state of Colorado. I'm a 53-year-old male. Say I go to one of your clients, a retail clothing site, and I'm looking for, say, a shirt to buy for myself. How will my experience differ from, say, a 22-year-old male that lives in Florida? That's a great question. Uh, starting with age, we don't know that you're a 53-year-old man, and, and we don't know that that other visitor is a 22-year-old man. Um, what we know maybe about age or about gender is about the interest that you express through your, your actions, through your behavior on the site. So if you come into, let's say, an apparel site, um, and you look for uh, men's products rather than women's, we can infer that you're, you're probably shopping for a man. might be for yourself, might be for someone else. Um, and depending on the styles that you focus in on, we might be able to infer something about your style interest. Now, that might be highly correlated with age, uh, but we don't actually know that you're a man and we don't actually know that you're 53 years old. But coming in from Colorado, looking at, at products for men on, on a clothing site, there's a few things that that we can predict are going to be more relevant for you than they might be for someone who's, who's behaving differently coming from somewhere else. Number one is the products that sell well to people coming from the geographic area 
you're coming from are, are maybe a little bit more relevant for you, especially in apparel. There's a fashion context there that, that people in Colorado are probably wearing styles and colors that are a little different from what people are wearing in other places. And that's reflected in the bricks and mortar world and has been for, for many, many years. The, even a large brand with stores all over the country stocks and merchandises their, their stores differently in Colorado than they do in Florida. And, and they focus on the products that sell well in Colorado. And so that's one of the first things that we can do, is we might change the photography to be more relevant to your location, maybe showing you know, lifestyle shots that feature uh, you know, a, a Colorado uh, vista rather than an urban environment uh, in New York or, or in your other example, uh, a beach environment in Florida. Um, a beach doesn't have a lot of uh, relevance for you coming in from, from Colorado. Skiing doesn't have a lot of relevance, or mountains don't have a lot of relevance to a visitor coming from Florida. Um, unless it's a, in a travel and hospitality space. So to continue the example, uh, I I complete a purchase under that scenario uh, with that retailer, and I buy a product, uh, a shirt for myself, uh, under the scenario that we just discussed. One week later, I go to the exact retailer looking for a shirt for my 22-year-old nep- nephew who lives in Florida. Will I see something there that appeals to me? When you first come back into the site, you might see things that are tailored to what we know from our relationship with you so far. So that retailer is going to want to focus on, on what they think they've learned. Well, you've, you've come in from Colorado, you've purchased a certain brand and category in the past, maybe certain sizes and colors. Um, and, uh, and so the best prediction we're going to have at that point about you is going to be based on what you bought the last time. As soon as you start to shop for something else, we get new real-time data. We get data that says that today you're showing us intent that's, that's different. Um, and so that starts to become a part of, of the picture in real time so that we can start to focus on uh, showing you the content, the products, the experience that's going to be relevant for someone who's shopping for the products that you're looking at, which in this case might be for your 22-year-old nephew. Is, is the concept of personalization, David, is it good for all retailers? Can, can you conceive of a notion where a retailer would not want to use personalization? I think that consumer experience expectations have changed really dramatically over the last few years. I think that... that um, the, the iPhone is, is a good marker of the beginning of this period. Uh, it also happens to coincide with the Web 2.0 uh, revolution in, in uh, interface design on websites. Those two things kind of mark the beginning of a period where consumers started to see that some brands were providing them with really, really rich and relevant and contextual experiences. And so before that, I think that brands could get away without doing any personalization. I still think it hurt them, but they could get away with it. Today, uh, I think it's a very different story. That there's a spectrum. At one end, if you're not doing enough personalization, you're actually providing a bad customer experience because it's disrespectful. It ignores the context of the relationship that you as a brand have with that consumer. 
at the other end of the spectrum, the other extreme, you might have a relationship, or you might you might have personalization that can be disrespectful by being creepy or or um, or over the top, and uh, so that there's a a balance. There's a spot in the middle on that spectrum. It's different for each brand, but no relevance, no context, no personalization, I think, is no longer an option for any brand. You said uh, creepy personalization. What would that be? Uh, I think that the benchmark here is thinking about what surprises a consumer in a bad way. If you use the information about your relationship with a particular consumer in a way that they expect, um, that's respectful. That says, I actually remember that you're my customer. I remember our relationship. I remember what you've bought from me in the past. I'm not going to do you know, disrespectful things like try to sell you a product you've already bought. Um, but if you think about some of what's going on in the, in the ad industry that's, uh, that's outside of the context of what we work on, there are folks talking about what it means for consumer data to, to kind of flow from site to site and, and advertisers to know, you know, what articles you might have read on one site when you go visit another site. That gets into a realm where the consumer is not necessarily expecting that. They don't expect that to be a part of your context. They're not expecting you to, to know or pay attention to that. So if you use that information, um, it, it could be surprising in a bad way. And it could make the consumer feel like they've been surprised that there's there's uh, some attention being paid that they didn't they didn't ask for or expect. I don't think that affects our customers because our customers are working in the context of a single brand um, and a relationship with a consumer in the context of that brand. And I think that the the work they do uh, to pay attention to that relationship uh, really falls squarely in the category of things that the consumer does expect. And and increasingly, to my point earlier, that the consumer demands. Let's shift shift gears just for a sec, David, and talk about talk talk about Monetate itself. I know you're the founder of Monetate. Uh, when did you launch the company? Who owns it? That sort of thing. My partner David Bookspan and I founded the company in January of 2008, so just over five years ago. Um, we are a venture-backed uh, technology company, uh, which means that the the company is um, is supported by venture investors. We've got some great investors at First Round Capital and OpenView Venture Partners, um, and they're helping to, to fund and support the, the rapid growth of our business. Where are you located? We're located just outside Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. All right. We have uh, a few offices around the U.S., and, and people spread all around the U.S., and, uh, and um, uh, an office with a, a cluster of people in London, England as well. Certainly, Monetate is a very innovative, successful company, so we can congratulate you on everything you've accomplished there. It's been fun watching you from a distance and watching your company. <laughs> well, thanks, Gary. Yeah. Uh, tell us about some success stories uh, uh, for companies that have come on board with your platform. Uh, give our listeners and our readers some examples of what your platform or service has done for them. Well, one of the things I'm most proud of at Monetate is the impact that we've had on some of the world's largest brands. Uh, traditional retailers like Macy's, Petco, Best Buy, Dick's Sporting Goods, um, and pure e-commerce players like Fresh Pair and Revolve Clothing 
uh, even QVC, um, all use Monetate to drive a much better experience for their consumers and to drive more revenue for their businesses as well. We're also in the publishing space with great clients like National Geographic and in travel and hospitality with, with great brands like Frontier Airlines. And what we've seen over and over again is that the more a brand does to pay attention to that data, to pay attention to what they know about their consumers and about the relationship that that consumer has with the brand, the more they do, uh, the more return they get financially. Uh, the more revenue they're able to add to their businesses and, and the more efficient uh, their businesses become. Are you able to, to cite some examples, perhaps uh, anonymous examples of revenue lift for clients? Well, we can send you uh, some detail, but, but I think it gets, it gets into the fine details pretty quickly. I can tell you that among our clients, we have uh, a number of clients with more than $100 million a year incremental revenue added uh, through the monetate campaigns that they're running. Do you integrate, that's obviously a big company, a lot of our listeners are smaller companies, do, I guess a, a two-part question is, do you work with smaller companies and how does your platform integrate with, with, say, a shopping cart or a platform? Well, let's talk about size of companies first. We're focused on companies especially in the, in the retail space, that would be uh, IR500 sized. And so that includes uh, a lot of large and small brands, but, but doesn't necessarily include the smallest. And the reason for that is um, we're looking at a lot of data, and we're looking for statistical significance in a lot of data. And uh, it's helpful to us to have enough traffic to work with uh, to be able to run enough experiments and, and gather enough data to get to a result quickly. Um, we sometimes work with smaller brands, and we do that when they're fast growing and, uh, and when we think that, that they'll be uh, you know, larger quickly and, and we can help them build that infrastructure that's going to get them there quickly. second question was about integration. That's one of the places where we're really unique. Um, one of the challenges, I think, that, that stood in the way of this idea back in the 90s was that all the technology was really complex, that doing personalization meant making changes to all the back-end systems in the data center that generate the digital experience on a website. And that today means going and touching 15 or 20 different complex back-end systems that all come from different vendors and are all tied together with a, a brittle integration that's managed by an overworked IT department. And so we knew that if we were going to make this really valuable approach for marketers available, we were going to have to get around that challenge. What we did is built a digital marketing platform that really lives in the consumer's browser. And it only touches the website in a single copy and paste line of JavaScript. And that one line of JavaScript allows us to pay attention to all the data we need, to analyze and process all of that data in our cloud environment, and make decisions in real time in our cloud environment, and then to make changes anywhere we need to in the experience in real time in the consumer's browser without having to go back into the data center 
and deal with all of the, the complexity and roadblocks there. Okay. We have just another minute or so left today. David, anything else on your mind for our audience of e-commerce merchants? Well, I think that one of the most important trends I'm seeing is the shift to customer centricity. That I think marketers and sellers everywhere are focused on, on a big change in commerce that puts the customer at the top of the organizational chart. And they used to be at the bottom of a bunch of different channels. Now the, the, the customer is ending up at the top of the org chart. And I think that that focus on the customer uh, creates a mandate to really understand the relationship between brand and customer and to be able to act on it to do the right things for each individual customer. And what we've seen is that the ideas behind the big data movement, being able to pay attention to more data, to do it in real time, are really becoming mainstream. Uh, everything from uh, from Moneyball to uh, it, you know the application of big data to baseball to everything that happens around data and prediction in the running of the 2012 presidential election campaigns to the Harvard Business Review doing a cover story on big data in a customer-centric way last year has, has let marketers and, and especially CMOs everywhere know that there's a new, new toolkit available to them to pay attention to the, the customer who's now at the top of their org chart in a whole new way. And, and I think that's exactly where CMOs have to be focused uh, because the world is changing around them, and that's exactly where we help. We help CMOs know their customer, and take action. Okay. Well, for purposes of our listeners, we've been visiting with David Bruson. David is the co-founder and CEO of Monetate. That website is monetate.com. That's M as in Mary, O-N as in Nancy, E-T-A-T-E, monetate.com. And David Bruson, the co-founder and CEO, we thank you for your time today, sir. Thank you, Gary. all the time we have for this week's e-commerce conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. Please tune in next week for another new episode.